0: Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 151 of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, February the 15th. Okay, today I have coach, yogi, and business strategist Carla Treadway on the show. Her mission is to empower, inspire, and educate a movement of people moving towards self-love and self-leadership by helping them tap into their intuition, create conscious action, and connecting them to an elevated community of people. She teaches practices for health, wealth, spirit, and personal freedom. And her motto is to lead her life in wellness community as a sovereign individual. On the show today, we deep dive into censored topics and make sense of the wild world that we are living through right now. This podcast is for people who have had a wake up call, who aren't in alignment with what they are seeing and hearing in today's media in life in general and with the people around them who want to be authentic, who have the uh, call to be authentic and live in truth, and who are sick and tired of hearing the same narratives over and over and over again that really aren't making sense for them anymore. This episode is one of the first of its kind as I open the door to new voices and expand on the diversity of thought here on the Elise Unfiltered podcast. We deserve to hear about and discuss controversial topics in a nuanced way so our perspective on reality can continue to stay wide, to widen even further with love and appreciation for our diverse world. I appreciate this conversation greatly, and I hope you do too. So let's get started. Here is Carla Treadway. All right. Hello, Carla. Welcome to the show. I'm actually really looking forward to picking your brain today. <laughs> isn't that that's the best way to start a podcast, isn't it? Um. So for everyone listening today, I think I want to start the show with how I found you on Instagram. Because, I mean, we were just talking two minutes ago before we press play on how when people start speaking about, quote unquote, controversial things or things that people that isn't in the mainstream media or that are really hard to hear, some for some reason, <laughs> we know the reason, but for some reason, social media tends to censor those people. They're not in the algos, like, as freely. And... I, I believe I started following you a few months ago, but you had a guest on a IG Live who was uh, a mother at, whose child was at a hospital. And they were, the, the medical staff were doing procedures on this child without parental consent here in Canada. You're in Canada, right? I'm in
1: Canada.
0: Yes, yeah. okay. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because I want to deep dive into a lot of different things that you talk about that I support and also talk about in my own way. But I will say straight up that I did censor myself for a long time. And I'm coming out of that. I'm coming out of it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I I mean, I guess my... uh... My desire not to be censored started with with the whole health debacle of the last three years but the story that you're talking about um that was happening to a friend of mine and it really had my it really got to me because it also just happened to another girl in canada so there was almost the exact same situation uh happened to another mother in bc where the child was fine and ready to go home And the hospital staff said, no, before you can go, we're going to do a spinal tap. The mother said, "Mm, let's wait. Not even a hard no, but like, let's wait. And the hospital staff basically said that you don't get a, a say in this. And that mother had run and the hospital had called the police and put an Amber Alert out for the mother. Well, then we have this other situation with Andrea. My friend Tasha reaches out to me because this is her sister. And this is, you know, not a mother to be concerned about. This is a really loving mother, a well-educated mother, uh, a holistic nutritionist, like really understands like the body, Mm -hmm. not a doctor, but not Mm -hmm. not an ignorant person. And pretty much the same situation. The the child had been in the hospital because it was sick went through a round of antibiotics, got better, was 100%, should have been going home. And the hospital said, well, let's do a spinal tap. And the mom said, uh, let's wait. So meningitis is a really serious disease. Yeah. But again, in this case, the mother didn't say no. She said, let's wait. And the more you dig into the story, the more you kind of figure out that one reason for forcing a procedure as quickly as possible isn't necessarily because the child is in danger, but the hospital makes money. Mm. Mm. And I can't say that that is exactly what was happening in that scenario, but that is more and more that kind of information was was being dug out. And at the end of the day, that mother ended up being forced to do a procedure that she didn't want to. She was separated from the baby's father who wasn't involved in the child's life. Nothing to do with the baby. And the hospital called Child and Family Services. Child and Family Services basically started to dangle the threat of taking the mother's child away if she didn't do this. Then they called the baby's father and had him consent, even though this man has absolutely nothing to do the child so this mother Mm. feels completely victimized by the situation um she did what she could she stood her ground she was incredibly calm and rational the whole time and when i did that story on instagram live it was amazing how many other people wrote me saying the exact same thing or similar thing has happened to them being forced to do a procedure that they didn't want, that they didn't need, that ended up harming them, uh, threats of children being taken away. And I I think a lot of us are just really opening our eyes to um, what little power people seem to have in the Canadian healthcare system.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And under what grounds could Child Protective Services come in and overrule a mother with a healthy child, I can understand perhaps if she wasn't calm or if she was being aggressive or if there's a history of violence or some sort of cue, how did, how did, under what grounds do you know?
1: Well, the hospital, just the hospital decided that that's what needed to be done, even though there wasn't any signs of the child getting worse. Um, Yeah, they just, they wanted to rule up meningitis, which they had already tested for. They, there's other ways that you can test for it, and they already did those tests, and all of those came back negative. So there really wasn't any reason other – well, they, they might have been trying to do their due diligence. It also could have been they were going to make a lot of money off of that procedure.
0: Right. and I So who makes that call? Is it the doctor? Is it a group of people? Is it the hospital?
1: Yeah, that I don't know. Mm. I just wanted to get air – uh, for Andrea, right? She she was really just backed into a corner. Um, we were trying to get her press so that we could find her a lawyer, someone that could advocate for her, because clearly in Canada, it's not enough to advocate for your own personal medical decisions. Mm-hmm. So we were doing whatever we could to try and bring her in whatever supports that we could, and it was really challenging to find a lawyer. We found lots of lawyers. That wanted to help, but couldn't help because they weren't specifically uh, medical lawyers. And it just got, you know, eventually she just got stuck. She got stuck. They said, either you do this right now or we start to threaten your custody.
0: This was a moving example for me. Absolutely. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe this happened. I believe it's unfair. I believe she was violated. Her rights were violated, especially in the way in which it was done. There was videos. You showed a lot of really um, important images and words and storytelling throughout this whole thing. It wasn't, you know, finger pointing. It was a very well thought out and presented story and case. Now, pre-pandemic, Would I have believed that? It would have been a lot harder. I mean, my eyes opened um, being an unvaccinated Canadian, the way people treated me and continue to treat me the way, you know, we're not allowed in the U.S. still, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't realize. I think the next call is like uh, April 9th or something, 2023. They're going to make a new decision whether we can travel to the U.S. legally um, Mm -hmm. as healthy Canadians. And... My question for you is, why do you think it's so hard for people to accept that this is happening in our country?
1: Because it's so dark. Mm. Because it's so dark. I didn't believe it all at first. Um, I kind of bought along with the narrative. I was scared. I was washing my groceries. I was doing all the things. Mm -hmm. I went out and I got one. And then people around me started getting hurt. Now, Mm. maybe it's because I know a lot of people. Um, Like, my husband was a professional athlete. We traveled a lot. We have lots of friends. But I know quite a few people that are seriously injured and disabled. And Mm -hmm. at first, it just kind of starts at that layer, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, is this just medical decision but then of course you start digging in and digging in and digging in and when you kind of start to see the big picture that is a horrible experience one that most people are not willing to go through Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of reasons for that there's a lot of people that had pre-existing trauma and it's too hard to realize that there are more problems with the world so there there are those people that are already going through really heavy things they they can't handle adding on another layer of there might be some bigger problems that they don't know about so there's those people but then there's just a whole lot of people that are completely disconnected from their intuition from consciousness from reality mm. that love living in a kardashian world they love this superficial reality mm. they've never paid attention even to, to politics and um, they're not about to start. You know, they just want to have a fun and easy life and you're being silly, you're being a conspiracy theorist, nothing's wrong, this is my world. And it's really interesting in a world that lets to talk about privilege so much, what a privilege to not pay attention to things like economics, politics, the medical care system, um, geopolitics. Like, what a privilege that you can just check out from that conversation.
0: And label someone and cancel them and censor them and have the backing of your government to do so the yeah. the the othering that is happening right now is out of control almost it's really interesting do you see this getting better in 2023 or are we further separating into like a binary country
1: uh. I don't know. I mean, I want to have hope. I even see like in my own journey, like when I first started like speaking out about this, I I was quite kind about it. Like the thing that got me canceled initially from like friends and, and <laughs> yeah, me a lot let's of hear that. <laughs> with I think we should not judge people for their personal medical decisions. That was yeah. the thing that got me canceled. I mm-hmm. didn't even say don't go get it. I actually have never said that. Um, So just saying that we should have tolerance for other people's (laughs) medical decisions, that got me canceled. And the more kickback that I got from that, the more bold that I got with my truths. Now I feel like I'm coming out the other side, trying to figure out how do I kind of find the middle? Not with my memes, they're rude, but with other (laughs) content and conversations, is there a way that I can somehow find the middle? I, I am trying to find a softer place However, is everyone doing that work? I mean, I don't know. I think the things that I'm worried about geopolitically and politically are happening. I don't think that's going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, that will continue. And I think that is a big and scary thing. So I, you know, in the beginning, I had a lot of compassion for people. Um, I really understood why they didn't get it because I didn't see it at first. It took a, It took a little bit. I get it, but at this point, seeing that people really have no clue, um, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I, I don't think anything can break that cognitive dissonance. You're, you're literally watching things fall apart in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. Why do we have mandates at a border when mm-hmm. we know it doesn't stop transmission? It never made sense, and it's still there, And mm-hmm. you're and people are just saying, huh, that's weird. And moving on, no, that's not weird, that's criminal, it's illogical, it's unscientific, yet mm-hmm. here it is, we're in a health crisis, and you're not hiring back people because they didn't comply. It's a compliance issue. This this whole thing is completely, it, it's political. It's all about compliance, to shift in what, what's to come. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen with that. I mean, the people that have treated us poorly, have two choices one admit you were wrong and ask for forgiveness not a lot of people are able to do that that's a hard thing to do Mm -hmm. the second thing you do is you double down Mm. because you can't really admit that you treated people so horrifically that you told people to get this and it hurt them a lot of people won't own that
0: so explain, so explain I, the doubling down, because I don't think people realize that they're doubling down. They don't, they don't, they wouldn't identify as that is the behavior that's really happening. They, even when they were saying things like I would, oh, let those unvaccinated people die in in their dehumanizing of, of humanity through this. They're doubling down. What does that look like?
1: A really good example is Sam Harris. I don't know if you know who Sam Harris is. Of course, it, um, yes yeah the making sense podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, so he really went after brett weinstein and brett weinstein just asked really good intelligent questions about the vaccine and he brought in legitimate science like nothing brett weinstein said was unfactual and now it's actually come out that everything that brett weinstein said was true Yes. So Sam Harris has just been attacking him and basting him this entire time. But now that it's inarguable that Brett was right, Sam Harris has basically come out and said, Well, you know what, he's he's right, but he's not right because what he did was wrong. Because at the time we didn't know he was right. So he was he's still even though he's right, he's wrong. Because mm. at that time he didn't know he so, like that is an example of <laughs> doubling down. Sam Harris is not apologizing. He's not giving Brett an inch. He's not saying that he's right. He's still saying, "Well, actually, he's still wrong." And, and I feel that very much myself. The the people that, with why won't you apologize that you were wrong? Mm-hmm. You are still holding on to the belief that you were right, and I was wrong, and. What I did was because I clearly hate people because I'm an evil, selfish person. Yes. So that was still wrong. And, and that's where that comes from, is the intention. Anyone that didn't get it, it's because their intention was to hurt other people. And at their core, they're bad, selfish people. Right. And that's the story that they're telling about people to make it okay. You know when that amnesty came out, the COVID amnesty? um an author had put out that we should seek COVID amnesty we oh find yes we move on we should forgive what that is is that's not them asking for forgiveness that's them publicly forgiving themselves
0: yes yes that's a, that's how that's how it felt for for me i was like oh, <laughs> oh okay you want to just uh move on to the next thing okay <laughs> like hello yeah, mm-hmm.
1: they wanted us to go to jail and and die. I, I I felt pretty tough through this whole thing, but I had a little cry about that the other day, thinking about how scared I was in twenty twenty
0: one.
1: I was watching them build detainment centers. I was watching court cases where the court was taking away children from unvaccinated parents. Whereabouts? Are you, where was,
0: whereabouts do you live?
1: Uh, I'm in Kenora, Ontario. Okay. They were building um, a center here, um, so we're, we're watching all of that. We're watching kids getting taken away. We're watching people lose their rights. I'm watching this thing happen politically, where they're talking about taking away property. You know, the whole like you will own nothing and be happy. Yeah. While I'm also watching the prime minister say, "How long will we tolerate these people?" Yes. I thought they were coming to take me. I thought they were going to take me off my land and they were going to take my children. That is not a crazy idea, watching what was happening. They have the newspapers putting out surveys saying, do you want to jail the unvaccinated? And people were saying yes. yes. I had huge plans. I was building the Underground Railroad. I was contacting people. I, was, I had these big plans. Here's how we're gonna smuggle ourselves into the States. I know how I can help you. To, to know how terrified I was back then and to know that my friends will never know that. Mm-hmm. That I was just cancelled because they think I'm a bad person. Not, <laughs> You know, they never knew the darkness that we went through. Mm-hmm. That is such an incredibly hard experience. Like, you need to ask for forgiveness for that. And you don't get to just walk away from
0: that. Mm-hmm. It is when you mentioned that it's a privilege just to dismiss and move on like and 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 not think about it and the impacts it also has opened my eyes to other ways in which people in this country have been discriminated against that was over my head because I definitely lived my life with a veil through the conditioning of my middle-class white female life because I was born into privilege. So I, my, the veil was lifted. It was very interesting, uh, to have that bond and that connection. I've made a few really powerful friends in other communities that I never would have in my life, um, through over this, watching the discrimination and and watching the continued discrimination. I find it interesting that you said you were planning the underground railroad. So are we, so are we, man. Like we.
1: (sighs) Here's something interesting about the word privilege. I I think we're learning a lot about our, our history and I, I am a believer of the truth. I want to know the the truth. I want to know what's happened in history. I want my kids to know about what's going on. I want them Mm -hmm. to know the truth. And Sure. There are different stages of privilege. The truth is everyone in the whole world has different varying degrees of privilege. Personally, I don't love the conversation. Like I I said it kind of lightly before about like the privilege to check out from what's going on in the world. Yeah. But why I want to talk about it is We have this very strange thing happening in the world right now with woke culture that exploded right before this whole health debacle. So right before this whole thing happened, that's when the social justice movement blew up. And I'll start by saying the social justice movement, like there are social injustices and there are a lot of really good people in these movements with a genuine desire to help people that need lifting up. So I want to preface it with that. Yes, yes. It was very interesting timing that that happened immediately before COVID. And we were all told, actually, you're not a good person. Actually, you have privileges. Actually, turns out you're racist. Turns out this is who you really are. Everyone felt such a deep shame. And then immediately that was followed by, here's a chance to redeem yourself to be a good person. If you do this, now you are a good person.
0: You're virtuous. Yeah. You're
1: virtuous. So who are the people that are mostly awake to what's going on? They're spiritual people. They're religious people. They're the yogis and the coaches and the healers and the Reiki masters and the Christians and all these people. Why is that? One, sure, they have a good sense of intuition, perhaps a spiritual practice, the core teachings of every single spiritual practice is we are one. Mm-hmm. We are all equal. We are all children of God. In some religions, we are God. But you and I are the same. We are equal. We need treat each other with love and respect. Mm-hmm. Woke well, culture is not that. It's like, actually... You are not all equal. There's actually a hierarchy of privilege that you will be rated on and you will be treated differently Mm -hmm. based on your privilege and this, this hierarchy that you live on. Natalie St. hilaire does really good work on this. So first, here's the hierarchy of privilege and you must do certain things in order to be a good person. Well, at the same time, we were taught during COVID, actually, you don't have rights. The things that you thought were rights are actually what? (laughs)
0: privileges. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God.
1: It's a privilege, not like, sure, the movie, whatever, right? Going Mm -hmm. to a movie or a restaurant. Going to work became a privilege. Leading the country became a privilege. Oh, you want bodily autonomy? That's a privilege. I dislike this word so much because it's being completely weaponized and used against us. That movement, they are weaponizing the guilt of people that are good. Mm -hmm. They're weaponizing the guilt of people that already deeply care and want to do better and like such really good humans Mm -hmm. while simultaneously inflaming and making angry the people that didn't care. And we're already trapped out of this conversation, too. So, anyways, that's like, I don't think it's a coincidence that that exploded immediately before we were told that we no longer have rights.
0: Well, culture had started in the 90s, did it not? It was part of like a Black Lives Matter um, movement, maybe like 20 years ago, is my understanding of it. But yeah, it did really blow up in the last three years as and and it's really interesting personally I heard about it I knew about it I knew that it was a little bit too left-wing like I I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed to say but I am a I was a liberal for most of my life I was an athlete myself and and I voted for Trudeau the first time around in Canada here. I am left leaning and I'm I'm not sure about far left socialism. I'm not sure about some of those communist ideologies. I don't resonate with them. I don't care if I, I, everyone's allowed to, you know, think that the way that they want to think, but it, the conditioning around it, how sophisticated that conditioning was to program left leaning people to lean to deep dive to the left has been extraordinary extraordinary and now we're really starting to see we're really starting to see negative effects and i'm starting to see people wake up and be like wait a second my kids are getting affected by this my this is the sexualization of children is not okay. The, you know, othering of other people, the xenophobia, you know, they a lot of woke culture really claims to be this virtuous side. They're the right side. They're the this they're the good people, they're awake. However, all I can see is someone like almost like a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> like, it's almost the exact opposite.
1: One hundred percent. Well, we're seeing this mass evacuation from the left right now. I, I also oh, you think was a Liberal, and I voted for Trudeau. Oh, yeah, all the people in my circles that again, they're they're all the spiritual people. They were never conservatives, and they're all running that way Mm. and it's not because they don't believe in some classic liberal values I think a lot of people are waking up to the story (laughs) that oh everything the right does is evil and they're just evil capitalists I think a lot of us are waking up to the fact that that's not true and there are actually a lot of policies that make sense so there's a lot of people that are just waking up and listening Mm -hmm. for the first time the policies on the right and they're like oh actually I agree with that so there, there's a ton of people moving that way for that reason mm. but there's a lot of people evacuating the left because classic liberalism does not exist it does not exist and if there's any people listening right now that are still like no I'm a staunch liberal you need to be the ones to get louder because right now your party looks atrocious. It doesn't exist. Classic liberalism does not exist. One of the first things that woke me up was a podcast by James Lindsay, and it was called The Early Sexualization of Children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he reads a ton of books on Marx and Ferrari and Friedrich and the Chinese Red Guard and, and all these Soviet and communist nations. So this is nothing new. And that podcast blew my mind wide open. That was a tool of Marx. And when you look at a lot of the people that are running these organizations, they're Marxist.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the
1: organizers of Black Lives Matter were Marxist. They had a goal of destroying the nuclear family. What does Marxism seek to do? It, it is based upon a deep disdain for people that have more privilege, people that are above you. So Marx himself had disgust for people below him, but also deep jealousy and resentment for those that were doing better than him. So this ideology, even though Marx describes building this beautiful utopia, at its very core is built on hate and resentment. Right. <laughs> that That's where the goal of Marxism is to disrupt and destroy. So that podcast where they dive into the... Like different Marx books where they talk about why you need to eliminate childhood innocence, why you want to sexualize children early. It's to disrupt. You disrupt the child so deeply that they rebel against their parents. Oh, mom and dad, you don't recognize me anymore. You don't own me. Plus, I'm deeply uncomfortable with everything that just happened to me as a child. Then you break away from the family and you join the resistance what are we witnessing in front of our eyes right now in Canada? It's the dismantling of everything, economics, family bonds, the healthcare system, like everything is falling apart in front of our eyes. That is the goal. The goal is to completely dismantle everything, knock us down to the third world. And a lot of progressives don't, recognize that and and for me i i don't choose a team i'm not left or right i'm not tribal even when it comes to ideologies i'm just really basic does it work mm-hmm. if these teachings worked and things got better if they actually got more inclusive and kind and loving and children were doing better and thriving and the economy was doing better and people weren't homeless anymore then i would say keep going mm-hmm. but that's not what's happening no. so when we talk about we need the left and the right so if you go too far right you get really really stuck in the past and there is no evolution but progressives keep progressing and progressing and progressing to some expressed ideology but there's no landing place so you need the conservatives to balance the progressive with hey does this work Because the Conservatives are all about facts and logic and budgeting. So you need them just for that. Hey, is this working? But also, hey, can we actually tie back into some of our values? Can we stay tethered or anchored to a value? But what we have in Canada right now with our socialist coalition is you've completely blocked out the right. And now we're watching the fruits of that. When you don't allow the right to interject, now you have the progressives going far into cuckoo land, mm-hmm. creating soap policies that hurt the economy. It doesn't help the environment. It doesn't help drug addiction or homeless, but they keep doubling down, going further and further down that track because they're chasing the ideology that is not rooted in fact or evidence right now.
0: I think a a really good question to ask if you are left-leaning, which isn't a bad thing. I don't, that's not what you're saying. But if you are left-leaning is to say, has all of these policies and all of these decisions that you're rooting for made a difference? How is the mental health crisis going in Canada right now? How is the homeless crisis going in Canada right now? Are people motivated are they building confidence through hard work and dedication? Are they expressing their passions? Or are we just getting like what's actually happening? Ask yourself, if you because one of the things that really I have a heart, this is why I'm more on the right, and I get criticized criticized for it often, is I believe in hard work. I believe that hard work and finishing things, completing tasks, whether it's a paint a painting you're doing or, you know, building a house or whatever. Building tasks is the foundation. It's the backbone to confidence. Once you complete things, you feel good, whether you rec- you're recognized from the outside in or not. Like it, it, it's, it's accomplishing things in life. It's doing things. It's in the doing that builds confidence. And one of the things that the last few years has really shown me is that, humanity is willing to give that up. They want other people to take care of them. But at what cost? And now we're seeing mental health decline. Now we're seeing what the cost is of doing fuck all in your life. And <laughs> It sucks for a, like, it's shitty. 100%. I,
1: I'm reading a beautiful book called Agency right now. I found it from the organization, thefair.org. And it's a book that really nicely balances those two ideas because the right is like, pull up your bootstraps and work for this. Yeah. And the left is like, no, no, no. We just got to take care of people and give them everything that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a hundred percent true that there are, uh, there are millions of cases of people pulling up their bootstraps and pulling themselves out of horrific scenarios. Yeah, It doesn't always work that way because people do have horrific starting points. But the left give everybody what they need,
0: and you can love them to healing. It one hundred percent does not. not it does not work. So mm-hmm. what
1: agency talks about is first comes the support. Mm-hmm. We bring in the support, but if the support doesn't then teach you. Pull up your bootstraps. Like we start with the support, but it needs to teach you agency. And if Mm -hmm. it doesn't teach you agency, if you are told that you are forever, you'll forever be taken care of by the system, you will lose. You Mm. will lose because I believe deep down into my bones that the way to fulfillment and joy is through contribution. So even when we look at homeless shelters that have done well, like there was one in Calgary, it was a laundromat. If you wanted to stay in the homeless shelter, you worked in the laundromat and they have high success whereas ones where there are no rules or expectations they fail no matter what state you are in you can contribute in some way and from the contribution comes appreciation and gratitude and some of those feelings that help you rebuild your life and it's terrifying that people don't see why agency is important. It's terrifying that our educational institutions are actually teaching socialism. So Canada has socialist healthcare, right? So people always look at that, and they have it reframed as socialism means you care about people, right? Right? Capitalism, socialism, you care about people, and they're actually teaching our kids in universities. Like I argue with twenty-two year olds all the time. It's quite funny. Um, They think that socialism is good. And I say, okay, great. Name one socialist country other than China. And you watch them sit there with a blank stare on their face. They can't. China's socialist. It's not communist. And then I dig in a little deeper. Name one socialist country in history. One communist country. And socialism always comes right before communism. Mm -hmm. It's the step right before Name one in history that hasn't resulted in millions of people starving to death and being murdered. There is more genocide, more murder from socialism and communism than any other historical event. And people are not being taught history. I, I had a 22-year-old <laughs> come at me on Instagram and say, well, you're not educated what communist books have you read? And I like rattled off eight in that moment. And mm-hmm. you can see that like she obviously hadn't because they only go to like the title of the book or what's the theory. The theory is we're all equal and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually ever end up in that way. What happens only is you eliminate the middle. You get more people sinking below the poverty line, getting poorer and more poor and you get The rich getting richer. What did we see in COVID? Mm -hmm. We completely squashed small businesses. Mm -hmm. You had people lose mass amounts of wealth, while the rich got even wealthier. Mm -hmm. We wiped out the middle class, and we're continuing to do that. I believe in social support programs, but like this universal basic income that the NDP wants to push, that is going to wipe out the middle class. How do I know that? We just watched it in CERB. What happened when everyone got just two thousand dollars? Everyone quit working. Everyone <laughs> yeah. is missing workers, right? Like look at look at flights right now. The like travel is completely falling apart. You got healthcare falling apart. You got small businesses falling apart. No one wants to work. So now you're going to give people way more money to stay home, way more money than your average small business can afford. You're going to get a whole slew of people staying home. There are going to be a lot of people that genuinely, genuinely need it. And a gigantic amount of people that are choosing to be complacent and be taken care of under that system. And that is 100% where we're going right now.
0: And you're going to be paying triple for your home real soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. I' better. Right? So mm-hmm. the NDP says, oh, well, we're going to just get all that money from all the billionaires that have been, hi- all those able capitalists, they've been squandering that money uh, and they're hiding it in offshore accounts and the government can't get it. So we're just going to go get that money. Mm-hmm. NBP, why doesn't the government have that money right now? Because they can't get it because <laughs> these corporations have developed these plans to make what makes you think you can go and you're not going to get it where that money actually comes from is people like you and me your average human being we will be paying for those services it's not the billionaires they they know how to escape these systems they're already doing it they're going to continue to do it it's us that has to pay and life's just going to become unaffordable so again you have the left saying well we care about people we care about the homeless then why are you supporting a that makes more people homeless? There's going to be more people below the poverty line. If you care about people that are in poverty and struggling, then we need policies that help lift them up. If you make life unaffordable, the the money doesn't just magically appear to pay for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So now we just have more people suffering. But they say, yes, but we're the ones that care. And it's like yes, but it it doesn't work. It
0: just doesn't work. So why do you think it's so hard for people to hear statements like you just made?
1: Because everything that they've been taught is a lie.
0: And so do you think it's just so it's just so risky, or it's like they're they're they will literally die, like a piece of them will die if they admit or they're able to see things differently?
1: It's I mean, it, it is that dark reality. And right now, I, like, I remember when I was liberal, I thought conservatives were evil because that's what I was told. Right. Oh, they're evil capitalists. So I never even listened. I never listened. I never learned. Mm-hmm. Um, I never went there. Um, but also what people don't realize is the, the political atmosphere has changed.
0: Sure has. So, I, I
1: mean... Politics have always mattered. I know I didn't really pay attention in depth until, like, the last three or four years. Back in the day, if someone from the NDP um, gained power, I wouldn't be panicking. I agree. The parties were very different. The mm-hmm. NDP was actually for the working man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still with the Socialist Party, but they actually were trying to support your average working family. The Conservatives did support big business mm-hmm. and the liberals kind of found themselves in between mm-hmm. that's not where we're at right now the conservatives actually are the only ones advocating for common sense reason how to, how does your average family pay the bills they still have social support programs people pretend like they don't and then the NDP and Liberals are the exact same thing. With that socialist coalition, there is no difference. They, they support each other. There's no difference between those two parties. And their policies are very, very elitist. They say they're there to support people and bring them up, but they're very elitist in nature. Like, just look at the climate change policies. How do you solve climate change? Well, just buy a $60,000 electric car, silly.
0: Yeah, how are we going to heat our houses in the winter with, That's right. with the systems that we have in place? I, It's really interesting, too, because I, I, I really see myself as an extreme centrist at this moment in my life. Uh, and I have been called um, a right-wing Nazi bigot person because I am unvaccinated. There's one characteristic about my life that has put me in a box that's super far right leaning, which I don't identify with far right leaning ideologies. I really believe that both sides of this political coin are programmed, are programs. They're literally like your brain has been hijacked and for your sense of self and belonging, you're tribalizing, you're joining these camps and literally staying in them in these echo chambers of people just repeating back and forth all of this shit and you're just getting deeper and deeper and something will happen to kick you out of the program for one second. And I think you mentioned yours a little bit earlier. You took one vaccine and got kicked out because you started noticing people around you were getting really sick and it created this little bit of a space for you to decide, Hey, what am I doing? this this a similar story happened with me i was i'm trying to get pregnant and i saw a story in the new york times of all newspapers questioning the vaccine ingredients this was before the vaccine rollout they were saying it's interesting they would put this in here as this leads to infertility or has led to infertility in women and i saved it i bookmarked this article and I went to show my partner like a week later or a few days later, even, and it was gone. You couldn't find it anywhere. I'm Googling. I'm like, what the hell? I'm not crazy. I literally just read this like the other day. And I couldn't find it. And that was like my, it's something so small. It was just like, huh, something fishy's going on here. Let's pay attention. And so. You have talked a lot about this identity politics here. And one of the things you also talk about on your social media is this idea of, and this might trigger some people, but mass hypnosis. Can you explain a little bit about that? Like what is actually happening, in your opinion, with the way people are thinking and how they are compartmentalizing things, how they are moving deeper into one ideology or another?
1: I mean, I think it's really simple. In Canada, we have state-controlled media. Mm. And most people watch Netflix, they watch Hollywood, and they watch mainstream media. And that's it. And there is only one narrative in, in both of those things. Like, how surprising that, like, no celebrities spoke up about what was going on. We have, like, Rob Schneider... And uh Lily Evangeline, (laughs) but like like nobody spoke up. So all of Hollywood just kept their mouths shut.
0: And why do you think that is? It was like too risky because people were getting canceled. They were literally getting removed from work, like the inability to work. So I I can understand that. You have like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan gained like two million followers on so on Spotify. And was highly critiqued. He was the only one. And you know what? He didn't even know what the hell he thought about it at the beginning. He was just bringing on different voices. Different professionals. That was it. Yep.
1: I mean, so we we threatened a lot of things. Mm. uh, Which is a really good way to control people. Mm -hmm. We said that you weren't going to be able to work. Mm -hmm. We said that um, you were going to die. If you didn't get these things. So that is pretty effective. But Mm. the number one way that we controlled people is through social shaming. It's really easy to do with people that are disconnected from their own very true identity. I don't mean your skin color. I don't mean your religion. I mean, like, deep down to your core who you are we have a lot of people living very unconsciously who just live in this media world they're on their phones they watch the news they watch Hollywood now mm-hmm. what was really threatened was your sense of belonging mm-hmm. if you don't go along with the COVID narrative with the woke narrative and whatever the narrative is you won't belong anymore mm-hmm. and lucky for me I think I've already gone through some great humblings in life, some difficult Mm -hmm. difficult times in life. When this thing came around, I was like, I don't fucking care. (laughs) What are you people doing? Mm -hmm. And I know you guys all think this and you're not saying anything. You know what? I'm like, if I have to lose every single person in my life, uh, this is the hill I will die on is (laughs) truth. And I'm not tribal. Like, it's not a political thing. Like, at any time if the conservatives do something crazy, I'm gone, right? I don't care what conservatives did six years ago. I don't care what the liberals did. I only care what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there's not enough people that are, that know truly who they are. I mean, Mm. like, at a soul level, And it was so scary. It was not easy to do. Like, I did it. It felt awful. It felt awful still, like, losing people that I love, like, even, like, my own parents, like, being quite rude to me, thinking I'm crazy, losing every single client. I lost my business twice. So I lost my yoga studio to COVID. I I closed because those lockdowns were Mm never-ending. And then I rebuilt myself online. Before I woke up. And then I started talking and lost like every single client I had.
0: You've got to be kidding me.
1: Oh, yeah. Thousands of Instagram followers, all my clients, like all my close friends, like proof gone. And I literally sat at the bottom of that pile and thought, well, this will have to do. Yeah. Like me, God, my integrity, that will have to do. Mm, good and for you. I was lonely and I felt good about it but then everything changed. Then I got the message, "Me too. Thank you." And then another one, "Me too. Me too. I have never been so supported as I am right now. My my business is full. Like there's people pouring into my memberships, like my clients, like friends, the connections that I've made from being able to speak the truth. Like I get shivers just talking about it. There was no way out of that situation other than through. I had to out myself with the truth and that's been a continual process, right? Like first it was just the vaccine stuff and then it was like, oh, actually I'm aligning with these politics on the right. And then it was like being able to say God for the first time because that triggers people and just more and more. Now I hold nothing back because there's too many of us going along with things that we don't agree with. And the world gets to incredibly dangerous places. Like going along to get along is not a harmless act. It's the reason everything is falling apart right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy to hear that, that that shift happened. It's a really powerful thing. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was, in what ways have you been able to sit in the discomfort of living your truth? And that sounds like part of the answer, if not the whole thing. Can you elaborate?
1: I feel like, I I guess I'm an intuitive person. Mm -hmm. I follow like the call and the call sometimes leads you to places that you don't want to go. And I just think like the truth is just so incredibly important. Like... It, it is deeply uncomfortable. Here's the thing. Humans avoid discomfort. Yes. Like people that are really yes. thriving in the world are people that embrace discomfort. They're the people that can do the ice baths. They're the people <laughs> that can do crazy diets or fast or start a business. Like all those things are uncomfortable. Uh, it's such a lie that you can be comfortable in life. It actually just is a lie. Um, You know, walking into a gym for the first time, that's uncomfortable. Going to your first yoga class, super uncomfortable. A first date, it's all uncomfortable. So for me, in speaking my mind, it felt way worse being with friends and lying, because I was there for a year. I didn't say anything, and I just pretended and I'd have them send me podcasts from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and I bit my tongue, I bit my tongue. And they'd go out to a restaurant, and I'd yawn and be like, oh, Ashley, I'm really tired. I'm going to go home, pretending like I was just tired, not that I wasn't allowed in a restaurant because my vaccine status. That felt way worse. That felt more lonely than anything I can ever describe. And there's a lot of people still, you know, maybe they – I get it. You value those friendships. You want to keep them. I get that the relationships that I have now are so much better. The people that I have found by speaking my truth, like this is a soul connection. I don't have to hide anything. And Mm -hmm. they don't all agree with me. You know, they're not all of the same religion, political stance, any of that. Like it's not even about agreement. They actually are truly inclusive people that let me speak my mind that appreciate that I can be truthful and and they're the same um so if you don't speak your truth you just actually never find your deepest friendships your relationships um even work-wise I can't imagine working with clients who I'd have to listen to with really extreme progressive values right now I would hate that. I would hate, as I created my business online, to -hmm. create more unsafe spaces for myself where I'd have to bite my tongue. So even on a work level, the clients that work with me, they know there's no surprises. They know exactly what they're going to get. I don't tell people what to think or believe. I'm super neutral in that way, but they already know who I am, and they're either here for it or they're not. And now it feels so good and clean and safe. It feels safe's my word. I'm safe amongst my friends. I'm safe to speak my mind. I'm safe in my business. That feeling is so incredible. And I never would have had that if I shut my mouth. I would have always felt unsafe and insecure.
0: Being true to your word and living to the being true to your word is... Well, it's one of the four agreements in the book, The Four Agreements. It's by Don Miguel Rose. It's like kind of my Bible in many ways. But how powerful is it to know yourself so deeply that you can hold conversation with people who disagree with you and not take it personally, to know that it's not personal and to build friendships on that? Like, what is this? if you disagree with me, you're against me. If you're not with me, you're against me mentality. That is like, I see this all the time. I see it all the time, especially living in Ottawa. I mean, (laughs) the self-censorship for people that aren't, that are waking up is, I think it's a dominating force here in this town.
1: Well, you mentioned being called like a Nazi, a far right extremist, right? This is how I case i do create space for people to have their own opinions but i know i'm in the truth because i don't need to name call
0: right i right
1: and' here in the truth with facts and logic and good reason and i can have a podcast i can have a conversation and i and i don't have to get ruffled i can listen and then i can explain all the reasons why that i disagree and i'm calm and i'm cool and i'm collected
0: Mm -hmm. whereas
1: the people that are going far left communist marxist progressive right now what do they do you're a nazi you're a racist you're a white supremacist i don't have to listen to you they're doing that because their ideology doesn't handle scrutiny Mm -hmm. it doesn't handle scrutiny so the truth is always calm and loving and patient and kind it's like the biblical narrative right um it's pretty easy to see who's in the truth because i don't need to be condescending i don't need to be rude i can be but I don't have to be. I'm grounded in the truth. I use the hashtag #based a lot, right? I'm based <laughs> in reality. I don't need to name a call mm-hmm. because here's a chart of evidence. Whether it's the healthcare things or what's happening politically, you know that that documentary that Aaron Gunn made called "Vancouver is Dying" is is such.
0: I've never seen it.
1: Oh God! So like the the narrative with um uh drug addiction and and homelessness. The the narrative is well we need to keep creating safe drug supply for people because um well a it's a it's a shelter issue and and two if we give people safe supply of drugs we will decrease crime and we will decrease deaths. People won't overdose. I believed that before because mm-hmm. why so did I do this? Yeah it's wild. Well, this, this documentary just blows the lid right off. Basically, the, the actual stats are crime. I, I won't say the numbers, but crime is worse than ever. Violent random attacks. Um, more people drive drug overdoses than ever before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the only reason we have this. So We talked about doubling down before. The left continues to double down on the thing that doesn't work, even though you have facts just staring you right in the face,
0: right in like, the face, Yeah,
1: we're doing it because we're good people. And I just think, well, let's just do what works and we're all good people. You can't just call yourself a good person because mm-hmm. you want this ideology to work so badly, but it doesn't. Can we, can we just look at that? Does it work?
0: It's almost like human beings can't really discern in their minds Uh, facts put in front of them. It's really interesting. I'm reading this. um, What's his name? Facts don't
1: matter right now.
0: Yeah, facts don't matter. But they can't. (laughs) And people will hear something like uh, there's 35,000 deaths in car accidents. Car accidents. There's 35,000 deaths in car accidents a year. If we bring in electric vehicles, you can guarantee that there will be 5000 children that who die 5000 kids will die with the electric cars however with electric cars they will be able to cr- change the pattern immediately they'll be able to fix the glitch they'll learn the cars will be learning as deaths occur but all you need to do is like create a narrative where a kid dies and people will be like, oh, well, I don't want that. Yeah, but we're going to be saving 30,000 people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just how you position, <laughs> how the facts are presented, how things are positioned. It's so interesting with like, I find it really interesting in this in this book. I'm forgetting the name. Oh, my gosh. It's so interesting how he talks about do- a dolphin, the dolphins that get caught in the net when we're fishing for tuna and how it's how how it's how it's so devastating to dolphins. And I completely agree. I don't want the fishing, the fishing market is, 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 especially net fishing is kind of disgusting in a lot of ways. I, I, I kind of put my blinders on for years about that. And there's a lot of activists who really focus on the amount of dolphins who are getting killed in these nets. And I'm reading this and I'm like, yes, I don't want the dolphins to die. And then he just switches your perspective and says, but what about all the tuna? Like, do we not care about the tuna? Because all those tuna are dying too in this. So how we have a hierarchy of what animals to save and what not. He talks about no one's out there picketing for this um, um, tick there's a tick that's in Canada that's dying. Yeah, No one cares about the ticks. No one cares about it, 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 things like that. The yucky, slimy, less important in our mind animals. And yeah. I just think it's really interesting Yuck. to frame things and to see how things are framed because you're right. And I also and I've told the story before on my podcast many times. Uh, during COVID, I lost my business too. I work small biz- uh, social media for small businesses here in Ottawa and all the businesses shut down. And I, as a secondary tier, lost my business. So I started my online coaching business at that time and I was reading up on all these books and I got a book and it told me how to market. This book was written in 1956 and it talked all about... Uh, It was actually a really chauvinistic book. It was written so long ago. And like the marketing, the way they marketed to women, you have to like detach yourself from those narratives because it was kind of triggering how they spoke to women. I'm like, geez, mom, like poor you. I can't believe you lived through this crap. Like anyhow, one of the things that they talked about was this Colgate campaign, And how Colgate introduced, I believe it was fluoride, into their toothpaste. And they were talking about their slogan, which was um, get the Colgate with fluoride. Or maybe it was Crest, but I think it was Colgate. Get the fluoride toothpaste. It will protect your teeth. And they flew off the shelves. Well, within a couple of years, all of the toothpaste brands had fluoride in the toothpaste. So... So what is what does a brand do to reinvent themselves? They're not creating a new product. It's the same product, but how do they position themselves in a dominating way, in a preferred way? Well, they added, don't just protect your teeth, protect your children's teeth, protect the people in your life. And and of course, they flew off the shelf again. And it was right as I was literally like reading that paragraph that I was hearing the exact words verbatim from this marketing book from 1953 was don't just do it for yourself. Protect. Don't just protect yourself, protect your parents, protect the people you love in your life. And I was like, that was a second veil that lifted on my brain. I was like, wow, we are, the way that people speak is incredible <laughs> in persuading us to do things. We get hijacked so freaking easily. And I do myself, even, even as someone who really sits in silence and practices awareness and practices, feeling my feelings and, and staying in the present moment and, and building a life and living off the land and choosing things that I feel are best for me. I definitely get pulled in those, I get sold and it's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs>
1: it's just the repetition of phrases. So Rep- was yeah. a lot of things in- well, culture, people just like repeat the lines, right? You Just mm-hmm. re- repeat the words. But if you ask people to expand on and explain what they mean when they say privilege or or what they mean, like uh, the socialist question, right? Like, yeah. tell me about a socialist country <laughs> and watch people squirm. Mm-hmm. So there's no follow-up question. Like, let's look at the, the climate change narrative right now. It's the same thing. You're drawing your focus to only... Oil and gas is just evil. It's evil. It's bad. We need to eliminate it. Mm -hmm. That's all the narrative is. So that's being drilled into people again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Fossil fuels are bad. Well, what you don't hear and what's not being brainwashed is everything we have right now is because of fossil fuels. Every technological advancement, every piece of medical equipment that we have It's all because of that. So there's so much good that came from that. You don't hear that in Canada we have some of the most rigid environmental standards. So you have places like California or Canada saying, well, we're not going to produce any anymore, Mm -hmm. but we're going to go and buy it because it's absolutely essential from all these other countries that produce it filthy, Mm -hmm. unethically, or... You know what, guys, we're just gonna get solar panels. The sun is free. This is so great. Oh, by the way, those solar panels are built with slave labor mm-hmm. in China. You guys like slavery? By the way, when those things break, it there, there's no it's filled with such toxic compounds that don't break down. Oh, by the way, solar energy can never heat your home or power all the things that we need to solar and wind can't actually ever do what fossil fuels can mm-hmm. and I, i'm i'm not saying try nothing and believe in uh innovation i think we will
0: Me there. too and me too we're
1: not there like it's it's so foolish to, to watch people say like end all oil and gas oh yeah how are you going to heat your house? I know.
0: That's such an interesting thing. And like M- Michael, my partner was just like, isn't like with the electric car announcement with uh, California that happened before here in Canada, we've made some commitments um, is is the the precious metals that are in the batteries for these electric vehicles are found in the ground and they're found in the ground primarily in um in Africa, in the Congo, in the rainforest, and we're just destroying the earth to get it with slave labor. And and we're paying millions of dollars um, per ounce, and the workers are getting paid pennies per ounce, and it is extremely unethical, and, and we can do better. That part of the narrative isn't being told. Yes, batteries. Yes, electric. And to do that, this is... This is the cost. This is the cost to humanity, to the earth. Like, sure, fossil fuels are bad. Our carbon, global warming, sure. Yes. And if you take that away, this is the cost of that. This is what will happen. And we don't hear that side. So yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, sure, electric vehicles, great. Do you have $60,000? Do you have, are you okay with With the Earth being destroyed, we have a lot of precious metals. I think in Canada too. Like, is BC going to be okay with uh, it getting ripped to shit? (laughs) Like, that's our.
1: Most of the homes that own electric cars also own a gas vehicle, and if probably the batteries will last a, a long time. And I do believe electric cars are part of the solution. Um, But to say that everyone needs to be on an electric car is ludicrous. Our power grid can't even support it. If you ever have to replace the battery Mm -hmm. on your electric car, all benefits are completely kiboshed. Um, Any gains that you would have had by having an electric car are now done because now you have this battery that's going to waste. You get another one that has to be mined. It's completely atrocious. And I'm not a climate change denier. Climate, like, we are not living in a sustainable way that is true we're not living in a sustainable way why aren't they talking about the oceans mm-hmm. why aren't they talking about the billions of pounds of chemicals and pesticides that we spray on our crops why aren't they talking about mm. um the fact that they want to try and put vaccines into seeds and into our food supply um why are they talking about the ccp buying farmland why didn't we squash the netherlands the like a tiny little country that produced a mass amount of food um It's true that climate change is happening. I am not an alarmist at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think that any of the climate change alarmism has actually anything to do with climate change whatsoever because Mm -hmm. all the policies that they're making don't actually address climate change and only increase government power. I think that is the only reason Mm -hmm. we're hearing this narrative thrown at us day in and day out because people, like you said, the kids... The narrative that people are being told is, you know, the world is
0: about to end. I and know. Again. Yeah, that's like it. That's a big motivator. Oh. The world's about to end. Nuclear oh. war is at the brink. That That's happened between the U.S. and the Soviets, Soviet Union back in, when was that, like the 50s, yeah. 60s? There was a huge nuclear threat. And, and I, I think it's really important, too, because we're saying what's missing from the narrative is like, hello, if you live in Canada and it's minus 30. What happens to your cell phone in minus 30? It dies. What happens to electric things when it's cold? Like you talk to anyone with a Tesla in Ottawa and they're like, yeah, we can't drive it when it's cold because our battery dies. (laughs) And it's like, oh shit. (laughs) Those things just don't, they're not included In the conversation. And if you say it, you're a right wing bigot. And it's like, whoa, I'm not saying that. I'm just asking questions because things just don't make sense.
1: Anytime someone calls you a name, it's because they're wrong. (laughs) That's the place (laughs) I've gotten to. And, And they really did themselves such an injustice now because we have been called every name in the book. Yeah. Those words have no power. Mm. You know, you want to call me a Nazi? Like, you really can't call me anything worse than that. It's true. Your words mean absolutely nothing. I'm just getting more bold. I'm just getting stronger now. Because, unfortunately, there there are real bigots. There are real social yes. justice. There are real racists, And and this movement has completely wrecked those words by just calling anyone that they disagree with. Yeah. These horrible. And now words just don't matter. Just like facts don't matter.
0: Just like facts don't matter. Okay. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation. I love you (laughs) and the work that you're doing and living in your truth and living and speaking your authentic voice without feeling the need to censor and, and risk belonging I think that's so important. The the whole concept and then I forget who said this quote, but humans crave two things, to belong and to be authentic, and we will abandon our authenticity the moment belonging becomes threatened. And I think you and I have both moved through that in a very dis, like uncomfortable way, and I know millions of Canadians are are moving through that and others around the world. They're seeing things happening. What what what's next for you?
1: Um, well, one like this is this is our way to belonging. When you can be truthful, it actually is how you feel like you belong. Cause you do. It's like the call out there. You find other people. Um, I took like an entire year off of work just to be politically activated, and then I stepped away from it all, seeing that there's no point in me being in the resistance because everything that I was worried about is happening. We are watching a global political shift. Those things are happening. This medical tyranny is happening. There's no point in me being in the struggle. So what can I control? And now I put all of my focus on what I can control. I I keep my eye on the big picture and what I can do, but I stay involved at the local level, at like my schools, local politicians. Um, I formed a membership where I teach people how to live sovereign and free. I give them everything they need for a wild world. Um, I coach them weekly for their mental health. I coach them on their business. I teach them how to make money. And then we bring in experts to talk about everything from homesteading, canning, Bitcoin, investing in metals, literally anything you need to deal with, like the economy, to take care of yourselves and your family at home with natural health remedies. Mm. Um, And I coach people. So, the community that is awake has broken into two different factions right now. There are people that are still stuck in that fear and resistance. And that's where I was for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a phase. It's an important part of the journey. Mm-hmm. But now I'm at the next part where it's what's next? Okay, if this is happening, what do I need to do to thrive
0: mm-hmm. in this
1: crazy clown world and then how do I help other people do the same? And honestly that I am so grateful that I made that choice because that was a choice to keep moving forward to not just be terrified. Um because it's changed my life. I'm incredibly happy. I'm not scared. Now we live on a little island out here in northwestern Ontario. We have like chickens and a giant garden and we hunt and we fish and I'm set up. I'm set up. And But here's the thing. I don't think you need a homestead or a farm to thrive right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think you need millions of dollars in Bitcoin. I think you need to be able to trust yourself. Because the truth is, we don't really know what's going to happen five years, ten years from now speaking your mind is one of the most incredibly powerful things that you can do. I know that I can trust myself. So if I have to leave my house and everything that I've set up, if I have to pivot and change my life, if I have to move, I know I can handle it. And that's what we all really need is that deep level of self-trust and courage to know that no matter what happens, I can handle it. I can do it.
0: I love it. Where can people uh, join you inside your program?
1: Uh, probably the easiest place to find me is my Instagram, Carla Joy Treadway. I'm Carla with a K. Um, and my website's the same thing, CarlaJoyTreadway.com.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. This has been one of, uh, this has been the first conversation that I've really opened the door to being uncensored here on Elisa Unfiltered, which, oh, wow. yes, <laughs> uh, yes. So um as someone who made a pact to stay true to her word to literally live life out loud which is the name of the show and live unfiltered I'm really grateful for you for you know breaking the ice with me
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am so grateful for you inviting me um into your space and I didn't know I was just Break in
0: the well, well. To be fair, loyal listeners know that I am unvaccinated. That they know my p- position. I generally talk more about intuitive awareness and your belief systems and thoughts. I and watching you as a as a coach, as someone who's working with people who are looking for change and for shift, and to and are drawn towards your truth, so that they can have the courage to speak their truth that is sort of a direction that I want to take the show because I really believe that diverse conversations is exactly what the world needs right now so that we can discern our thoughts and our feelings and our choices in, in, in a nuanced way. 100%. Conversations will
1: change the world. We need more people just, just saying the
0: truth. Agreed. So thank you so much for sharing yours. And I'll have to talk to you off camera about your chickens because yes, I need some.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, my friend. It was great being here.
0: Thank you. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give the show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.